0: I originally had a different sermon in mind for this end of the summer when we had already finished up one series, and I, I don't start my new one till uh, later in the year. But uh, there was something that jumped out to me so much, I I had to 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 talk about this. Um, it was kind of in my own devotional reading. I was reading through James. And this passage just caught my attention. And so I want to talk about, like, how did it get my attention and um, what parts was it? But it starts off by saying, um, not many of you should become teachers. Well, I think we need teachers, don't we? School teachers, right? Who in here is a a, uh, school teacher? Raise your hand. Are they all off on vacation? I see a few hands, right? They all off on vacation in that final week or so. I, I, my wife is, is going to be teaching at Scotia Glenville, and she's taking our daughter back to college today, so that's why she's gone. But teachers, do you feel like you're, it says they're d- judged with great strictness. Does that, does that resonate with you? Do you ever feel like you're judged with great strictness as you teach? Maybe we should help them all out and get them ready for the fall. So if anyone's here a teacher, look at them and judge them with strictness right now. There, get, we're just, we're doing this out of love to get you ready for, but no, it, it's not talking about school teachers. It, it's talking about Bible teachers. It's talking about people like me. Um, and why does it say? Because, We do get judged with greater strictness if you take on that role. And then the other part of the reason is is that we all stumble in many ways. And this is kind of what got my attention. We all stumble in many ways. First of all, using the word stumble, you think about if if you stumble, it means you're walking. Well, we as followers of Christ were called to walk like Jesus did. To, to live life and and love people and care for the, for the people around us and and just in in all that we do we're called to be to do as Jesus did in James 4 it says anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did so when we stumble it's saying we are not living up to that calling that we have as followers of Christ um, so to stumble is to to fall short and that could happen in many ways there we all stumble in many ways So I'm connecting this. Not many should be Bible teachers to we've all stumbled. And this is what got me thinking is how many prominent Bible teachers, pastors, have stumbled. And I was thinking about the number of guys whose books I have read and even quoted who have been, who have fallen out of, you know, their hidden brokenness came clear or they've stumbled in some way so that they're no longer serving in ministry and thinking about how how do we often stumble um and here's where the other passage also caught me by surprise what does it focus on we all stumble in many ways but it is our words that we we are most in danger of going astray our words it's um, if, if, if we could keep our words in check, we would be a perfect man. You know, we'd be complete. We'd be all that God wants us to be. But none of us, no, none of us can, can measure up to that. Um, and then I was thinking about, well, being a teacher, I'm a man of words. Will I be judged with greater strictness? What does that mean? And so I even... Is writing out of my journal I'm like so so will I be judged with greater strictness by God well in one way no um, it's not teachers will um in the sense of eternal life no I am saved by grace just as much as anyone else's we all all get in because of Jesus righteousness not our own but in the sense of being held to account, having to answer to God for how I live my life? Yes. As teachers, we have received knowledge. We've been given responsibilities. So we will be held to account for what we've received and what we've done with it. That's a scary thought. Um, But I don't know if James is primarily talking about being judged more strictly by God in this sense. I wonder if he's talking about being judged more strictly by people both people in the church and by society. Um, and here's what here's our people rightfully expect that those who've been given the role of teaching the Word of God would live up to it, that they would be be live up to a higher standard in their role of teaching the kingdom. If you're going to teach God's holy Word, are you going to follow through? So, yeah, people tend to be more strict in their judgment of Bible teachers, pastors, and such. When a pastor or teacher speaks badly, whether it's in their teaching time or just in their life, you know, maybe their teaching is great, but they yell at people or um, are abusive in their words, does it not bring disrepute upon Christ? Um, it gives critics the ability to mock the faith and gives believers no foothold in which they can say otherwise, argue with them. So I want to talk today about this idea of our words. And we, we started off our service with Isaiah's experience. Or what does he say? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Right? We, in our, our society right now, we are broken in how we talk with one another. Now, I'm including, maybe, what we type to one another, our speech online and through the computers. But, it, it's just horrible in the way our words do damage and fail to live up to our calling as christians and know that in all i'm saying today i too am a man of unclean lips no no man or woman contain the tongue we all fall short in this but let's consider this so isaiah used the lips that was his image for his words in james he uses the word tongue Um, it's the greek word "glossa." And it refers both to our physical tongue, you know, with which we speak, and then also our, our words. Um, it also means our language. You know, if, um, when it says there'll be people from many tongues who come and worship at the throne, many languages is what it's talking about. And then it has a, a third meaning we're not even going to get into today, is that of ecstatic speech. You may have heard the phrase speaking in tongues. That's another way. It's the same word, glosa, that's used for all of them. James compares our tongue to three things. All of these are small things that have a big effect, right? A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small little rudder on the back of a ship sets the direction of the ship. And a little spark can start a forest fire. And he's saying that's what your tongue is like. You may think it's well, just this little part of our body, but it can have a huge impact in every part of our life. Um, He goes on to say, it can stain our whole body. So think about that. What you say affects how people see all of you, right? You say, well, it's just my words. It's the rest of me is fine. No. what you say, they're going to they're gonna measure you, rightfully, by your words. Our tongue can set the course of our life. Do you realize your tongue can get you fired pretty easily? Yeah. I mean, we're in a day and age where, for some people, they're looking back to their ancient history of what they wrote when they were a teenager and trying to get them fired for, for comments, maybe stupid comments they made long before. But the tongue can set the course of our life. And then this third one, our tongue can be set on fire by hell. Now that umps the ante. It's not just our life, it's, it's, our, it's eternity that's at stake. And I was thinking about that. What, what does he mean by that? Um, now the word hell in this passage is not the word Hades, which means place of the dead in Greek. It's the word Gehenna which is, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a fire waste pit. Gehenna was this picture of you throw everything in it and you burn it all. And, and so it's a, it's a picture of the destiny of those who don't, don't respond to God's grace. And so it's saying, our, can, is this saying our tongue can put us under the judgment of God? Can we say things that lead us further and further and further from God? and ultimately be shut out from his presence? Or another aspect I was thinking of this being set, set on fire by Gehenna, does that mean that God's enemy can use our tongue to, to, to do damage around us so that our tongue becomes a, 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 a something used by, by God's enemy? James goes on to say, It is a restless evil full of deadly poison, right? It's so dangerous what we use our words for. It is full of deadly poison. So what I want to do is name the poisons. What are the things that can come out of our mouth in which we're doing wrong, we're doing damage, we're, we're, um, affecting others in negative ways that we're failing to live up to Christ. So the first, I'll give you the first one because it's, it's in our text. It talks about boasting, right? Talking about all the stuff you're going to do. Boasting is one, one type of poison. So I want to hear from different parts of the congregation. So I'm going I'm to point to a section and um, I want you to give me just a, a one word thing of way you could use a word wrong and you got one. Gossip, good one. How about over here? Malice in the back, the side. Rumors over here. Negative speech, criticism, right? Fault finding. How about over on this side? Anyone? Dishonesty. How about up in the balcony? Slander. Nice. Anyone else want to throw out any more? Envy. Lying. Swearing. Complaining. You got most of them. So so I'm going to switch gears. And I'm going to give you, I I actually, I mean, I wrote these in my prayer journal. I was starting to, I just got into this thinking about all the different ways we do this. And then I, I categorized them into three genres. So I want to look at three different genres of the poisons. Now, know that poison, sometimes the dose matters, right? A little bit of something actually may be good for you. Um, I've heard of such poisons. Like, you, you get a little bit, you take a lot of it, and that's when it's negative. So some of these, so think of it, some of these we may have a little, but it's it's how much. So the first genre is that of boasting. So the Bible talks a lot. So what is boasting? It's saying you're going to do something or bragging in a sense Talking about what you might do later to um, get, you know, oh, I'm going to go do that. Um, swearing oaths are, are related. The Bible actually talks a lot about swearing oaths. It's, I swear by Grafthar's hammer that I will do this, you know. Um, and so that's it's a way of boasting. Bragging. Almost boasting. Boasting is what you will do. Bragging is talking about what you've done ah, look at me, I did this and this and this. So bragging and boasting are, are similar, just a little different. Topping. Now, this is a word. So if you've ever read Dilbert, the Dilbert cartoon had a character called the topper. And what did the topper do? Is if you came in and you told some story, you know, that about what happened, topper would top you, right? Oh, that's nothing. Well, when I was, you know, do you ever do that? It's, it's, it's someone that's sharing something, and then you just, you, instead of listening to them, what are you doing? You're going to do something even more. Along with this is exaggerating. So often, you know, we, we build up the things we do, exaggerating. Going along with that is self-promotion. You know, all of these, the common theme is this. Look at me. I'm important it's raising up ourselves so you promote yourself and what do you do you minimize others their their accomplishments you sometimes even if it's not your intent you want to make yourself be a big you make them smaller and their achievements smaller and then someone said complaining complaining is in the same genre right Oh, the things I've gone through are so, so much worse than what anyone else faced. No one has ever gone through this before. Yeah. So that's one genre. Boasting. Second genre. Lying. So this is obviously things that are not true. Um, lying, saying what's not true, false statements, making a thing. Whether you know it's true or you don't know it's true. And that's why I added ignorance. I think sometimes, I see a lot of this, is people will confidently assert, especially online. But I think in, even in, you know, you're talking to someone about something, you will confidently assert something you don't really know it's true or not. In fact, it quite possibly could be false. But it, you want it to be true, so you say it. Right? So, so ignorance. Deception by omission. Sometimes it's leaving out the other side of something that you you uh, it's not it, it, you deceive others. False accusation, and that's taking what is false and aiming it to hurt someone else, to bring them down. Um, Relate to that slander. It's saying uh, something about someone that's negative that's not true. You slander someone happens all the time. And gossip. Maybe you're not the one necessarily creating the slander, but you're still passing it on. You're bringing into the the conversation, oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? All of these things are ways, they're false, and they do not line up with the truth of God. One more genre, cursing. Now, when we think of cursing, we think of, quote, bad words. I'm not even including so much that. You know, swear words, Um, though those are often fall into this kind of thing. But cursing is speaking evil, speaking against another person. You are calling down bad for them. That's what cursing is versus blessing is your calling for good for others. So slaying. So ones that were in lying also kind of fit into this slander um, is is cursing someone behind their back. Gossip, even if it's true. So gossip might be true, so it doesn't fall under lying, but you may be passing on something negative about someone else that they don't need to know. Maybe they did something bad and found God's forgiveness, but you're bringing it back up. Labeling, name-calling. Has anyone ever kind of given you a label that was both hurtful and stuck, right? That can can leave wounds on people, putting names on people. Fault finding or criticism, right? Seeing, we could see with so much clarity when others screw up and yet not see our own faults. Blame, it's their fault this didn't work out, not mine. Demanding and threatening. I want this. You need to give it to me. And if you don't give it to me, I will. And then the last one's interesting, shunning. You can actually do as much damage to people by refusing to talk to them. That's another tactic sometimes we use. So all of these are different ones. And you may be, in your mind, you may be thinking of others that that fall into this. So boasting is about drawing attention to yourself. Lying is saying what is false. Cursing is about doing damage to someone's life. And this is the way of the world. This is out there. This is how we so often, you know, we live among a people of unclean lips. And I had a TV show that came to mind. It's one specific character, especially, when I thought about all this. And I know I'm using this. It may not relate to a bunch of you, um, you may have been too good and holy to watch the show. I, you know, and I'm not advocating for the show. I just know many of you maybe have seen it, and so the character that came to mind most about this was George Costanza. So there, I, no one was better at lying than George, and the, the little meme that he has—it's not a lie if you believe it, right? He would his one thing is, I say things. It's like, you're surprised it's not, you know, is lying. I just say things. He, he would say whatever came to mind to get him out of the moment. He didn't worry about whether it was true or not. So that, that picture of just lying without any qualms, that, that was Costanza. In contrast to what does it mean when we walk with Jesus? What did Jesus teach his disciples? Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil or comes from the evil one. Jesus taught his disciples to speak with integrity. Let it be yes or no. Don't don't try to deceive and and lie to people. Another Seinfeld character, in fact, he, he was the most fun one, was Cosmo Kramer. And he was always talking about what he's going to do or this extravagant idea he had, very attention-seeking. He would walk into the room and demand you look at him, right? He is the picture of, in a sense, boasting in that sense, right? He'd be boasting about what he'd do or just get everyone's, it's always about him. That's my picture of that. Philippians 2 talks about what we as believers are called to do. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. We are not called to be constantly promoting ourselves. We're called to be building up others, looking at their needs and listening to them. Um, so all of these are friends of Jerry Seinfeld, who was the main character. If you didn't watch it, again, I'm not recommended you, you start watching. There were some interesting things. And he had one third friend, Elaine. And Elaine was great at criticizing. Right? So that's a form of cursing. Seeing the faults in others. Seeing, she could see the shortcomings of others. Right? Looking at others and seeing, oh, yeah. And, and so she was always talking bad about other people. It is, that is not to be the way we do it. Colossians 4 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So I I put these up to give you this contrast between speech as it tends to be in the world and the calling of Christ to to be different. Back to our text in James chapter 3, verse 9. James makes it clear this is not just People out there. This, what he's aiming at is all of us. He talks about, you know, we bless God, we worship God with our tongues, and then we curse people who God made in his image. People whom Jesus came to save. From the same mouth, blessing and cursing. And his line is, brothers, it ought not to be this way that's that's not what god wants us to so so we can't just praise god on sunday morning and then let our words just blast people throughout the week then in verses 11 and 12 he he talks about like fresh water salt water all this stuff his point is simply this that what comes out of our mouth our speech ultimately arises out of out of what's in our heart and if our speech, if there's there's blame and criticism and um, all this negative stuff, it shows that there is there's some brokenness inside that needs to be resolved and dealt with. That there's sinfulness in our heart, and we need redemption. Jesus made the same thing in Mark chapter seven, when Jesus talked about it's not what you eat that goes into your mouth that that's that your problem with God. It's what comes out of your mouth. It's the words that shows that you are defiled before God. Because out of your mouth shows what's in your heart. Um, the last section offers a contrast between the wisdom from above, how God would have us speak as followers of Christ, and the ways of this world, and it leaves. It's going to leave us with this question: Do we want our words to reflect and glorify Christ, or are we content to be like everyone else and use our words in the same way that the, the world does? Verse thirteen um, starts by talking about the meekness of God's wisdom. You see, God's wisdom when we use words the way we, um, with his wisdom in mind, it does not stand out. It is more subtle, right? It's, it's, you don't notice it because it's just, it's the meekness of wisdom. But when you get to, and then verse 14, it talks about by contrast, speech that is driven by jealousy and, um, envy and self-promotion that stands out, um, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, you, you do not boast and be false to the truth. So, so that wisdom is, is out there. Um, and it's not the wisdom from above. Verse 15 says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, from God. Instead, it's three things. It says it's of the earth. It's trapped in the patterns of this world. It's unspiritual. It is disconnected from god and his ways it's unspiritual it won't get us to god and third it's demonic the speech of this world is used by god's enemy to damage the people around us and in verse 16 it says for where jealousy and self-ambition exist there will be disorder and every vile practice it's leading further away it tends to get worse not better unless you address the source. As I think about this, like what leads us to all these things? You gotta acknowledge there's a fun side to ripping off on other people, right? There's something in us that enjoys criticizing. There's the, the drama of this kind of stuff can be interesting and and i was thinking about how when i was new in ministry i moved to a small town and one of the parents of the kids i was starting to work with and thought maybe he could be on on our board that i was working for young life i I went there to start a young life ministry um he took me to a thing called the living word which was a drama about jesus and a a great thing. They did outdoor drama, full set, loved it, ended up participating in it every so often. You go out, and they they always needed extras, so I I would go out there, and they'd crucify me, you know, at the end of the play as one of the criminals, not Jesus. Um, But anyways, but I remember him talking about this, and he was talking about the members on the board, and he just had negative thing after negative thing, like they're making all the wrong decisions, and and doing this and as as he was talking it's like an idea occurred to me if he would do this to them he would do the same to me if he was on my board right and so i didn't ask him (laughs) i kind of kept my distance um do we want the wisdom from above to be what we're about so verses 17 and 18 let me read those again But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Would you want that to describe you and in your speech? how you talk to people? Does it fit you now? Maybe maybe we can't assess ourselves. Maybe we should ask our spouse or best friend. Um, our words can reflect God's goodness. Our words can build others up rather than tearing them down. Our, our speech can bring honor to Christ, not just even when we're praising God, but just in how we relate to people. But it's not easy or automatic. In fact, it says, no man can tame the tongue, right? This is not something we could do on our own. Um, and on that, we all stumble. So as I, I say this, I gotta think of the other side. We we can easily um have trouble forgiving people who, who, who do some of these. We need to be able to give grace when someone is, struggles with their words and, and does stuff. We, you know, I I'll hear people say, well, I'll never forgive them for what they said. We at least gotta be ready to forgive in this. But how do we get there? We cannot fix this on our own. We need an inner infusion from a source outside ourselves. That's why we need the wisdom from above. We need God's spirit to enable us to to change because the problem is in our heart, right? It's, It's the jealousy or the insecurity. How many of the things that we say come out of an insecure heart? We feel like people are looking at us and we wanna try to justify ourselves or make ourselves feel better. We need God's to be healing work within us in order to change this pattern of how we speak. So I, I want to, to leave you with three specific things to do. And they all kind of flow from Psalm 19. Um, Psalm 19 starts off in verse 12, says, Who can discern his errors? Decare, declare me hidden from hidden faults. So the faults that we have on this are often hidden from us. We need... We can't even discern it ourselves. So what I want you to do, I made, I came out that those lists I showed you. I put them on a, on one piece of paper. All all the genres. There's, I'll put some. I'll do it now. I'll put some here on the front pew. There's also a bunch on the, the, um, the table as you go out, where all the lists are. Grab one of those, and and prayerfully, do a self assessment. Ask. God to help you see this, but learn to to recognize the poisons in your own speech. Which ones are you prone towards? Exaggerating? Criticizing? Just prayerfully ask God, Lord, show me where my speech needs to change. I'll tell you what, what me, I, I know I can get caught up in complaining. My life is so hard right now. Everything, I've, no one has ever gone through this before. You know, I, I I sort of see it when I start doing it. And I'm like, oh, I I try to catch myself. But which one is for you out of these? So take one of these sheets and prayerfully look at this. The second thing I want you to do is learn to recognize these in the speech of others and in, in in the people you're interacting with. So verse 13 in Psalm 19 is, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. We want to learn to speak differently than, than the way the world is, right? So we need to recognize w- what others are doing out of this. I think as we start to see it, we see it in everyday conversations. Not that we point it out, but um, especially when you see political speech and online. Like, ask, is this, is this fitting, one of these words? Are they boasting? Are they leaving something out, deceiving by omission. So learn to recognize the, the wrong patterns. And then the third thing I want you to do, seek and ask God for the wisdom from above. Commit your speech to the Lord. Bring your speech before God and seek his help. We cannot fix this on our own. We need one. And so Psalm 19 ends with, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Notice how those are connected. Mouth and heart. Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Notice what we call, he's our rock. He's the thing we've turned to, we've trusted in. He's our redeemer. He's at work within us to shape us to be more like his son. He is both of those. Bring your speech to God and and ask him to, to, to begin to have your words be honoring to, to God and honoring to Christ and, and building up people in this world. Um, as the I want to ask the worship team to come up. I, I so much want to put this passage in your mind, especially this verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is a um, There's a worship chorus with this exact, just this verse, put the music. And I want you to sing it with me, and they'll kind of teach it if you don't know it. But but let this start to, to become a regular thing. I've been singing this song all week as I've been preparing this sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing.